for systems from Atari. The video game that lets you help E.T. get home. Just in time for Christmas. Happy Holidays. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, man. Dude, I, I don't know if you do this every time, but you just said paranormal. You pronounced it perinormal. I do not. I'm going to hit the rewind button right now. We're going to prove it. 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal. All things perinormal. <laughs> Definitely, dude. <laughs> sort of like, like periwinkle. Kind of. I can't make fun of you too much because I constantly mispronounce words. Mm-hmm. Well, the hardest part about the intro is that like, if I get in my head too much, like I'll, I'll find that I'm like running out of breath. Yeah, your throat gets real dry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, how's your week going, pal? Good, dude. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did have a good Thanksgiving. I went up to my family and then went up to my wife's family. Yeah. Um, it was good. Cool, man. Weather was good. I don't know about you, dude, but I did a lot of movie watching with the kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. Woodrow and I finally finished season four of Stranger Things. He loved it. Very I mean, of poor course, parenting. I made him. No, why make him like look away during the like kind of intense. Uh, yeah, like we were made to stuff. look away for like the topless scenes in the 80s. I know, man. I mean, like we're watching, did I tell you this already? Have I said this on the episode where I we're talking, where, where we're like going. watching uh, movies like Naked Gun and stuff and all these like these movies that are like the perfect sort of, uh, it's just like my son's 10 year old brand of comedy right, right. now. Right. Like Naked Gun, Hot Shots, all this stuff. But there's like things that I completely forgot about that are like, very hypersexualized. Mm. Now this is going to force me to like have to explain stuff to myself. So basically, before I watched the movie, I remember there was like something in these movies or, or like things that may have been like questionably appropriate, right? And so mm-hmm. I went on IMDb and looked at like the parent guide where it just like explains different scenes. And I be- as it was coming up to that scene, I just fast forwarded it just because mm. selfishly, man, I don't want to have to. Oh, dude, I, conversation, I, dude. I mean, that if, if I have any sort of like negative comments about like newer kid stuff, it's sort of like, like, listen, do whatever you want. Come out with like the most violent, the most like horrifying, the most like whatever. But it's like, I think putting it in like kids movies, especially like, I mean, you have younger kids too, but like, you know, I have a seven and a four year old and it's like when we're going to see a movie that's marketed 100% for young kids. It's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have to like be worried the entire time that like, okay, now I'm going to have to explain this. And like, Mm -hmm. and, and wow, this is five years before I was ready to have like this talk. Oh, dude, it gets so uncomfortable. I hate it. 
But like Anne is like the go-to for that mm-hmm. stuff, thank goodness, because I just get so uncomfortable, man. Yeah. But I mean, I again, going back to the 80s, dude, my dad. It was just, it was totally different though. Like it really. Yeah, full nudity. <laughs> what do you mean, dude? Uh, duck boobs and Howard the Duck. Yeah, no, that's. What, yeah. what do you mean it was different? Yeah, it was worse. No, no, no. I, I mean. Come on, bro. Well, it, it's weird because it was like, it was worse, but then it was still sort of. There's a guy with a gun crash through the wall naked. Yeah, now that was a that was a common trope. That was the best. And actually, it was the best. Yeah. Anytime there's like a fight and you're busting through walls in like a hotel, there's gonna be, there's gonna be some naked on the other side. Every time. It, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. Yep. And every time not only that, but you're gonna get the classic trope of the guy is still laying there, but the girl oh, yeah. like jumps up. Like uh, on the hands bed, up in the air, totally topless. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, every time. So Classic. I mean, anyway, I say all that to say we had a blast, sort of watching a bunch of old movies. Getting, I mean, I got to be honest with you, getting into the Christmas spirit, watching some Christmas movies. Already started. It's not even December first, and we've already started. We haven't started. We don't have our tree up or anything yet. Though. Oh, we do. Yeah, we're already real late. Time. Yeah, man, no, uh, I got to get in there. I, like the second that Thanksgiving happens, to be truthful, we actually put our tree up before Thanksgiving. Well, I, I wanted to, but but all the aforementioned nonsense that we had to do, family stuff, still not got around to it. Yeah, and I'm telling you, you got to watch the new... Uh, I know. You got to watch the new Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Dude, it captures it's awesome. the spirit of an 80s holiday special that we would have watched when we were kids, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, one of the things, I guess, that this sort of Thanksgiving break and as we move into um, our holiday break that we're going to be taking from the podcast, I guess we might as well announce that now. Yeah, let's do it. Top. Here's the thing. The month of December, Yep, we're going to be doing a lot of things, mainly a lot of family time. Our kids are about to be out of school for like two weeks, mm-hmm. which is awesome, but it also comes with its own set of challenges. Now... One of those challenges being that, you know, perfect sound in and around our studio is a very yeah. uh, precious thing to come by whenever your kids are out of school. A hot because commodity, if I you can will. tell you this. The second that you hit the record button, somebody needs to go potty. Every time. Or, can I have a snack? <laughs> also right? every time. Anyhow, we've decided, kind of like we did last year, that we're going to take a break so that we can be with our families and so that um, we can kind of do some stuff behind the scenes as we get ready for what's turning out to be an already gigantic season three oh, yeah. of our show. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even wait for season three. If season two blew your mind, mm-hmm. it blew mine. Season three is going to, it's like, it's amazing. It's so, it's everything next level. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're going to have, and it's something that we don't really do a ton of, but we're going to have some super best guests. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just going to be bigger and better, and uh, we we think you're going to love it. Now, one other quick thing, mm-hmm. if I may. During the month of December, don't uh, don't despair, mm-hmm. because one of, there's a couple things that we're going to be doing. Number one, we are going to release a holiday special of our own mm-hmm. between now and Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have something special over on the Patreon 
in the days leading up to Christmas, we're going to release multiple episodes uh, for the patrons to enjoy. Just a little something special for the folks that, you know, go out of their way to like help, help support us in a way that helps keep this train on the tracks. Absolutely. And so if you want to get your fix, this is a perfect time, by the way, to mm. go ahead and jump in and become one of our patrons, wh- whom we call best friends. That's right. Um, you can go to our Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash that would be rad. Mm-hmm. So enough of that sort of housekeeping. You know, I, as I was kind of looking over and reviewing season two, but especially like over the last, I don't know, man, several months, I just feel like we've been, well, we've talked a lot about the paranormal stuff or perinormal, as you like to say, okay. um, you know, hauntings and cryptids cryptids, and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of go on a, in another direction and kind of what we promise in our intro every week. And I want to kind of talk about some old video games because one of the things that I love the most about the holidays is just plugging in those consoles, dude, and spending hours with my kids playing all these old school video games that we grew up loving. Yeah, well, this is something that I feel very guilty on because like I have two little girls and I've tried to get them into video games. I mean, granted, it's like a PlayStation 3 or whatever. And I haven't gotten... (laughs) You're like, guys, you're going to love this game. It's called Final Fantasy. <laughs> no. And what you're going to... It's funny you're saying that because I did. I said that exact same thing, but it was like, this game is called Red Dead Revolver, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually uh, a great game, by the way. But I don't really get to play too many video games, and I really need to like just break and get one of those like Retrotron mm-hmm. things because, man, they're it's super the cool. the best, dude. Yeah. And so my kids are just totally... Just not sort they don't of know much about those old school games. They literally they know nothing about video games. Actually, we've been thinking about getting Amelia a Nintendo Switch this year. Yeah, what do you think about that? She's seven. <sighs> okay, so let's see. I think that's about the age, maybe eight, that we got Woodrow one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. It's just like I don't know. The reason I did that was because we went we we started with the retro games first and kind of. Mm gradually evolve them up to the Switch so they could, at one, have a greater appreciation for the amazing graphics. Maybe I need to just buy one of those then. Dude, you just need to get one of those things and then buy like a multi-cartridge on eBay and then just have them go to town. Yeah. I mean, it's You're just, right. it's, it's fun, man. And then like for whatever reason, something about, it's kind of like in the same way that like as a little kid, you can kind of be toler- more tolerable with like crummy graphics and stuff mm-hmm. it's more just like the fun i mean look at look at the popularity of um minecraft for example. oh yeah i mean or like roblox i don't know anything yeah exactly oh, god i hate it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. like they don't care to me if i was like a kid going to play a video game and that's what popped up now after seeing things like dude i don't know if you've played the ps5 miles morales game no but i've oh, heard oh my Gosh, I've dude. heard it's incredible. Yeah, like I want to buy a PS5 just for that game. No joke. Yeah, there, there's another game for the PS5 that's like you're like this redheaded girl. Yes, dude. Oh my god. What is that? Dude. What is it called? Like I forget what it's called, but it comes in like a bundle, and that's oh, the cool. only reason I know about this. Because I was like, what is this game? And I saw a trailer for it, dude. Dude, and, it and a play, and they did like a playthrough thing on YouTube. Yeah, dude. It's I can't even believe it. It looks like you're in yeah. a movie it's incredible and like the 
the different things that you can do as the character and jumping mm-hmm. around. I mean, and then we kind of go and rewind back to early days of video games. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but my folks were kind of like, anytime we got a video game console, it was at least 10 years, at least 10 years sort of behind the curve. So in other words, I got an Atari, mm-hmm. but it was like 1980, no, God, it might have even been 1990. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> Are you serious? No, a dead serious. I never, we had like a Nintendo, but, you know, I went back and I wanted to, Getting Atari, and I think I found. I think my brother and I found one at like a yard sale, hmm. something like that. We're like, yes, we're getting it, and it just came with a stack of games. And you know, I'm thinking of like, um, oh god, well, uh, what was the one? Not Snake Pit. What was the one where you're like the dude, almost like Indiana Jones? But oh, Pitfall. Like, okay, Pitfall. I had mm-hmm. that. I actually think I had a Raiders of the Lost Ark Atari. You know, yeah. I was completely I. I mean, I remember playing it like here and there. Like, I think my babysitter may have had an Atari, but I really don't remember much about Atari. I remember thinking that it was like, eh, I just wasn't yeah. really into it. But yeah. for all my dad's shortcomings, I will say he worked with a guy. I think the guy was actually Japanese too, that kind of like gave him like a heads up on this thing called the Nintendo. And he ended up just bringing it home one day, and I remember we had the the just the single Mario game, not like the Duck Hunt Mario yeah. combo. Yeah, it didn't have the gun. This was like it it, it would have had to be like the very first yeah one, I guess. He brought Contra, yes. uh, Mario, and then this other game called Akari Warriors. Um, as soon as you see it, you'll be like, yeah. oh, I know that game. And I, I I was blown away. Mm-hmm. And was that was the thing that was hard for me too, same with Atari is like, and, you know, after playing the NES for several years mm-hmm. and then, you know, gradually the graphics there even started getting better and better and better. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about the difference between the first Mario game and then Mario Brothers, th- or sorry, three, you know, where you get like the leaf, then you oh, turn, yeah. you know. The like tail the, and everything. The difference between those graphics are remarkable, right? I mean, even in Mario 2. Mm-hmm. But like you go back and you play these Atari games, and you're like, dang, dude, this is you know because they were so <laughs> limited, and yeah. uh, so many of them are uh, are terrible. And you know it's hard for me to like some of them are like terrible. Some of them were fun to play. You know, mm-hmm. obviously all the graphics are are they're literally painting with like a certain number of large squares, right? So you're real limited. Uh, it's hard for me to rank them in terms of best to worst. Mm-hmm. However, there seems to be quite a universally known video game mm-hmm. that I think that we're going to talk about today, right? We sure are. Let me preface this by saying, so in 1978, Steven Spielberg uh, was toying with the idea of a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He kind of kept going back and forth of this concept of it being seen from the eyes of the actual alien, like the sort of invading alien. So so sort of like a role reversal. And originally, he had the idea of calling it Night Skies, which, I mean, sounds pretty cool. Anyway, he was always interested in aliens, which I didn't know this until doing uh, research into this, uh, which is interesting because 
we've already spoken briefly about his connection to UFOs and, you know, this sort of elusive, like, video where the government actually films, like, a, a U.S., like, military general meeting with an extraterrestrial. Yeah. But anyway, he claimed that he had an imaginary friend that was actually an alien. And it would help him out uh, when he was in trouble. And he claims that it actually helped him cope with his parents' divorce uh, when he was very young. So later on, after he filmed uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, he kind of kept coming back to this idea of, of doing like an alien movie. And, you know, after some time, this movie, he felt he wanted it to sort of be like a buddy movie. And originally this movie was supposed to be called A Boy's Life. Mm. Later, it would be called E.T. and Me, which sounds pretty close to Mac and Me, mm-hmm. where this like invading alien would go on to befriend an autistic child, which is pretty interesting. E.T. was released in June of 1982. It broke so many records. And by 1983, it had surpassed even Star Wars and was the highest grossing film of all time, which... That's insane. ...is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it it was like a, a very, like, linchpin movie as a kid to me. I mean, I remember watching it over and over and over, but... I didn't know that. I didn't realize it was that big of a box office. Yeah. You know. So so let's go back. So June 1982 is when it's released, right? I guess. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, between June and July, there are talks between this little company called Atari to purchase the rights from Steven Spielberg to produce an E.T. video game. It's rumored that this deal, so Atari basically paid Steven Spielberg 25 to $30 million just for the rights to create an E.T. video game. The problem was when this deal was all settled, when we're already... dry. <laughs> well, no, no, no. We're, we're in July by now. Okay. And the, the sort of the... The main, like, push to get this made is, oh, man, like, E.T. just came out. We're still riding this high of all this buzz around the movie. Yeah. We just spent twenty to 25 to $30 million getting this thing. It has to be ready by Christmas, So, which is crazy. So today we're going to be talking about, well, among other things, but we're going to be talking about E.T., the extraterrestrial, the video game, and as it's oftenly referred to as the worst video game of all time. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Yeah, so Atari decides to do this, and they go to this developer, this game designer, a guy by the name of Howard Scott Warshaw. He is actually, it's kind of sad because he's looked at in a very negative light, and you'll see why. Mm. But the people who kind of are like real sort of game aficionados, they look at him as sort of a hero. And we'll also get into that. Uh, so he was he was kind of a badass. He was, the previous year in 1981, he had come out with a game called Yar's Revenge, which was like an immediate cult classic. It, it garnered, you know, tons of acclaim. And so, you know, this guy who was in his early 20s, he was riding his own high. And so, you know, he's, he, there's also all these other games that he's developing and sort of overseeing these games to come in and there's this amazing documentary called Atari Game Over and uh, I urge you to go find it you can find the whole thing on YouTube it's really really cool and it kind of it gets into all this stuff really Mm -hmm. one of the things that I thought was so great about it is you, you you get to see how like in the early days of Atari it was like I mean it was real loosey goosey it was these 
super young guy, much like, you know, you hear of like, like Apple being started in like a garage and like, mm. or, or like the early days of like the, uh, like the Star Wars guys, you know, like yeah. the Caltech guys and even, I, even Nintendo, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's so cool. It's like, but Atari, especially. I think it was that documentary that I saw a clip where the guy was like, you know, we didn't care what time you came in or how long you were here. <laughs> right. We only focused on the end result and that's it. So yeah, like right. you're an adult, you want to come in for an hour, mm -hmm. that's fine. But, you know, you're going to be judged on your performance basically. And yeah. so if you can do it in an hour and then just screw off the rest of the week, mm -hmm. perfect. And you, dude, I mean, I think that freedom kind of works really well for a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. And then for others, not so much, but in this like environment, creatives and, you know, these dudes that are probably, you know, having a couple of herbal jazz cigarettes a day, oh, and eating a yeah. lot of Cheetos, I think it works pretty well. Big time. Yeah. So, so Howard Warshaw is riding this high. He's, he's in his twenties, probably like us at the, at our prime, like band days, you know, it's like very confident, very much like I can, I can conquer the world. I can, mm -hmm. I can, you know, accomplish anything. Yeah. And so when he's, uh, he personally gets a call from the, you know, basically the owner of Atari that says, Hey, can you make an ET video game? He's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, and here's the funny part. We need you to do it in five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know you have had crazy deadlines before. I I've sure had have. crazy deadlines. Mm -hmm. Heck, we've even had crazy deadlines and stuff that we've worked on. Oh yeah, for the show, mm -hmm. dude. Can you imagine the stress, man? Uh, well, what's funny though is like even even what you know watching this documentary, like you see, you see how he even when he was told, okay, you only have five weeks. Oh yeah, uh, cut from a different cloth, dude. Yeah, He's, yeah. He he was like, oh, that's. That's doable. Hey, cool, man. Which is weird because like even like, and I kind of looked into this, like the average Atari game w typically was was developed over the course of like six months to a year. And so Jeez. even even like for, it, like it, it was odd to me that, you know, it kind of goes to like his hubris and like his, the amount of confidence he had. Yeah. Because like somebody like him who is like, intimate with how long these things take for him to be able to like, yeah, I can do this in five weeks. And so what's funny is that he, not only was he thinking like, because I think, I think a lot of guys in his case would be like, okay, well, how can we, how can we kind of cut corners? How can we sort of simplify, sort of port over maybe this sort of pre-existing idea into this game? No, 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 not at all. He's still looking uh, because apparently, like his the game that I'd mentioned previously, Yar's Revenge, that came out the year before. Apparently, it was it was very like innovative, I guess. And yeah. he had like really pushed some boundaries, and like there were certain, you know, like certain little things like screen changes and like transitional kind of stuff that that you had never seen before. You know, that were sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure at the time it just blew people away. So uh, he, in his mind, when he's told, okay, you have five weeks, uh, you, we want you to do ET. So immediately he goes into, 
okay, well, how can I make this thing something special? And so he's thinking in terms of like, like uh, three-dimensional design and like how can we, how can we put like, do some really revolutionary things with like, you know, like in the coding and the, you know, bit rate and like all the sort of yeah. parameters that they had to work with. Um, and so, you know, then he meets, he meets with, and, and they don't really go into this a ton. Um, you had mentioned to me, you had mentioned this to me before about how, like, I guess like he had this sort of grandiose idea of what he wanted to do. And then he meets with. Oh, no, 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 dude, please. Can I, can I jump <laughs> Yeah, in? no, no, no. That, I was is, setting it up for you to get like into This is like so equally hilarious and freaking just sad. You know, like it's hard to explain until I dive in, but you'll see what I mean. So, dude, he, I, I, I want to say like he finished it. Like yeah, he, he, he already, he, yeah. he programmed all this like innovative stuff. He was so freaking happy, so proud. And then comes the meeting with Spielberg. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind, he explains this. In this other show, I think it's, I think it's called Game Over. It's on Netflix, where they kind of take you through the evolution of video games. It's really good, and it it'll give you another sort of insight into like how laid back a lot of these uh, video game cultures and stuff were. But mm-hmm. and the Nintendo one's like amazing, dude. Like p- the the jackets that you got whenever you were a game tester. Oh right, yeah. good lord. Okay, anyway. He meets with Spielberg. He, Spielberg is like this huge hero of his. He's yeah. like, dude, this is the greatest director of all time. And like, mm-hmm. I'm so excited. And he gets in there. He pitches the the idea and everything to him. He sh- kind of shows him a part of it. And he says that Spielberg just is like pretty serious looking. And then he kind of just looks over at him. He says, um, is there any way we can make it like, you know, E.T. Or not E.T. Is there any way we can make it more like, I don't know, Pac-Man? And he said that, like, <laughs> dude, he was just instantly deflated because it's uh, like now we're only weeks away from the right. deadline, maybe a week or something. Yeah. And in other words, doesn't have a whole lot of time to, like, you know, make a ton of changes and make it like a cool version of ET. Or, uh, damn, why do I keep on doing that? Pac-Man or whatever. But he just said, like, how can this guy who's like one of the most innovative directors of all time? Just basically, you know, water this down to Pac-Man. I mean, just imagine, like, I can't even imagine, you know, just as like a creative, like, that's, that sucks. It's like going into the studio, like, (laughs) with music, and basically you have this, like, song. I mean, this kind of stuff has happened. You Mm -hmm. have this song that you're just like, and it really is a challenge to sort of separate yourself from the whatever it is that you create. I mean, it sounds silly, I think, maybe to people who aren't necessarily creative to to kind of compare it to it being your, like, quote-unquote, child or whatever. Right. But, like, there is a part, in my opinion, there's, like, a part of your soul that is inside of this dang, oh, whatever yeah. it is, art, music, you know, podcast, whatever it is. And for someone just immediately to be like, yeah. You know, man, it's hard. It's hard to not yeah. take that personally. You know. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I deal with it still pretty regularly with like like art and comics and and that kind of thing. And like, man, it's so hard to it's so hard to like. And I envy people that can do this, but it's so hard to like just detach yourself like from your art. You know, because mm-hmm. like you said, it's like it's like a part of you, and it's like you. 
you're not, immediately you immediately take offense. Yeah, you and and you you it's not like you, it's an intentional thing, but you just you can't help but like be incredibly offended when because you got to think too. It's like these guys not only were there. Uh, for example, so Howard he he ends up creating a a full on like studio in his house, so ultimately he could literally work around the clock to develop this game. And so it's the idea that like. Not only is this guy probably spending 16, 17 hours a day on this game, any time that he's not working on this, it's like taking up all of his his mental bandwidth also, you know? So it's like, so he's basically like married to this game and then going in and some, and like your hero being like, yeah, let's just make it like Pac-Man. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like being a dungeon master and and (laughs) writing something from scratch Mm -hmm. and spending hours and hours of your free time thinking about all the nooks and crannies of a story and how these characters are going to develop and what kind of characters are they going to meet and then what monsters would they potentially come across. Mm. All the while knowing that no matter what you plan on, they're going to go and do their own thing. And you spend hours and hours and days and days and doing all this. And then someone... And then someone texts you and says, "Hey guys, can't make it this week." I mean, that wasn't me. <laughs> that wasn't me, pal. I was very excited. <sighs> Anyways, that's kind of what it's like. Yeah, no, that sucks. So he had five weeks to make it. Apparently, there was a lot of back and forth. You can find some like walkthroughs and stuff of it. And what do you mean, like the gameplay? Yeah, like the gameplay. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it it's unfortunate because even even though we're like '80s kids, like when I think of video games, I still think of like Nintendo. Yeah. Well, I mean, Atari was more of like a '70s kid. Like, well, you were born like 19 no, uh, 1980, son. <laughs> yeah, right. So you had to be like you had to be a certain age to really appreciate Atari. I feel like so. Like my older cousins were more like the Atari generation. We're right. definitely like. Nintendo. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I just remember, you know, after being like pretty into Nintendo, I remember anytime I would see an Atari, it was just like, <laughs> get that yeah, out of I here. Know. I know. But I mean, you know, you you do have to. I mean, one thing I think is the you know, and here's my like old man get off my lawn moment. But like, I feel like the thing that a lot of kids sort of sort of make a mistake with these days, like are younger generations and stuff is like they which is weird because it's polar opposite from what how we grew up they kind of look at like everything that's new and they're like oh well this is so much better than anything in the past so this is what's amazing and it's like no 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 the reason this is amazing is because this thing that came before that Mm -hmm. and then this other thing that came before that and then 10 years before that this guy did this and then this and like for you and I it was always like it was always like working, especially with with music. It was always working backwards. It was like, it was like, well, yeah, this is really cool. This band is really cool, but you know, this little lick sounds a whole lot like you know, mm-hmm. this like television yeah, Marky yeah. Moon lick. Yeah, and it was always like working your way back. Whereas, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of generations don't do that now. Yeah, uh, and so all that to say is like. You know, you do watch this like these like playthroughs and stuff of the game, and like, oh boy, it looks. Now listen, I I have it on. I have the Atari cartridge, um, mm-hmm. and as 
I think our audience would know, but I know Tyler for sure knows this, and we kind of have this in common. E.T. is one of our favorite movies of all time. Oh, yeah. Could watch it a million times every day. Mm-hmm. The freaking John Williams music. The, oh, yeah. The the part where, like, E.T.'s dressed like a ghost, and he sees, like, Yoda, somebody in Yoda costume walking by, and he's like, home, home, home. So I mean, awesome. like, there's so much about it that's just so magical and, and incredible, but... Yeah, the game's the game is so rough in terms yeah. of like it's almost I, I don't know, but I like the intro screen's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. So from what I gather, like I mean, it doesn't get into like the the details, but from what I <laughs> this this plot is man, it's it's pretty funny. It, basically, you play as ET. You're trying to collect pieces to all put together to create a telephone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that yeah. so that you can use the telephone to call your your planet. Yeah, so you can phone home. Yeah, you can phone home. Yeah, and then they come and pick you up or whatever. Throughout the game, I guess there's like there's you're sort of running away from. I mean, I guess they're kind of like like the Smithsonian. Well, basically, yes, they're like FBI agents, and they're sort of. I mean, if you imagine like the ghost in Pac Man, they're like these detectives or FBI agents chasing you down. And then I guess if you get caught, there's like a screen, which, I mean, this kind of looks cool, of like the scientist. And you you remember in the movie, I mean, obviously you do, but like the big like tube that they had to go through. Yeah. So it shows like that. And then you see a scientist like holding E.T., like walking from left to right, like in the tube basically taking him back to the lab. One thing that I I thought was amazing is as as much as this game is known as like the worst game of all time, again, you can kind of see where Howard Scott Warshaw was still trying to be innovative because this game has the the very first Easter egg of all time. Yes, man. I, I, I feel like I knew that, but I completely forgot. That's amazing. What is the Easter egg again? So apparently, like when you're, you know, you're looking for these parts and I guess there's this, I I guess it's like a geranium or whatever, or geranium. Wait, is that a flower? Yeah. Geranium. Basically, you can, when you find this thing, you can do, there's some sort of process where you can like do what's called like regenerating it. And so I guess that was probably a way that they were like sort of fusing all your parts together to create the phone you know, to phone home. So yeah. when you regenerate it, it turns into Yar, which was the main character from his other game, Yar's oh, Revenge. Yeah. But then, this is even cooler, but then if you go and you find you find another one, I guess, and do it again, it regenerates and turns into Indiana Jones. Whoa. <laughs> which is That's pretty cool, awesome. Man. Yeah. So yeah, he has five weeks. You know, he's he's up around all hours of the day and night making this thing. I think there was, uh, th- there's a clip that you can find where, you know, they're interviewing Spielberg and he's like, um, they're, they're like, so so you've played the game? And he's like, yes, it's, it's my favorite game of all time. And, you know, mm. apparently that, <laughs> mm. that didn't really age well. But I think Howard uh, Warshaw was like pretty bummed, but also, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like, that feeling that, I mean, you and I have had it a ton of times, like when you're making an album and it's like crunch time and, oh my God, we got to finish and we're right down to the line and we only have 
a day left before mm-hmm. we have to have this over at the mastering studio and da 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 da. And it's like, you're so exhausted. And so there's a feeling of like, th- there's a, a very positive, like rewarding feeling when it's done. But it's mm-hmm. like, you're so tired that you're sort of like, I also don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. Oh gosh, yeah. Or and listening to it anymore. You're just like so worried that you forgot to do something. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Ugh. Or yeah, you're just like, exactly. you're also compromising on some of the mistakes that you just, you know, stand out to you, but no one else. It's, it's, it's ugh, it's the worst, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, one thing I do kind of remember about the game, truthfully, is it was like, it was more sort of like, uh, speaking of D&D, like more open world in terms of like structure. Like, I remember you can kind of just go wherever you want. It's not so like side scroller heavy, you know, like it, it didn't feel like that. That's another thing that to this guy's defense, uh, Warshaw, which awesome, awesome name, but mm-hmm. like in his defense, even after Spielberg was like, can you make it a little more like Pac-Man? He mm-hmm. still like, I, it just goes, it's a testament to his creativity because like yeah. he still says, well, okay, let me think here. Okay, so he can be maybe collecting these pieces of the phone and, you know, mm-hmm. like he still made it not Pac-Man and it's not like these like, you know, level one, pew, 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 you know, which yeah. no, no, uh, no hate for Pac-Man. I love Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. I love the story of Pac-Man too, but this is just uh, hilarious, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's like a top-down game like you know like Pac-Man but I think I think one of the big moves with this and I don't know if this was in Yars or Revenge I think it was was like you know like whereas Pac-Man it's like it's the same I mean to say level it feels weird we used to just call them boards so it's like the same God, board. You were one of those kids, dude. You never I, called. I, you you didn't my call friends it a board. Did, and I'd be like, it's like one of those situations where I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? Oh it's yeah, a level. No, level it was a board. One. Have yeah, you been this board? I know. My friends would say that too, and I thought that was like an Indonesia thing, dude. To be honest with you. Oh no. Yeah, we like. We, why did it? Why was it called a board? I mean, you know? I feel like I called games like boards uh, up until like my teens oh yeah for sure i mean i heard it all the time but where did it where did that come from i don't know where it came from it's a podcast idea on its own it really is but yeah i i think whereas like with pac-man you see it's like it's one setting and then you know the elements or the enemies sort of change on that uh whereas like i think he had kind of come up with this idea of being able to like um, basically like the original Legend of Zelda where you like go down and it's like mm-hmm. voot, you go yeah. to a new, like a new scene. Yeah. You know? Um, Man, I love Legend of Zelda, boy. Mm. Yeah, that was a, that was also like a pretty uh, like hard, there were some like really hard aspects of that oh, game. Oh, yeah. Dude, I stayed up so, like one Christmas and this is probably like 15 years ago, but me and my brother-in-law stayed up all night playing playing Zelda. Mm-hmm. Trying mm-hmm. to beat it. It was awesome. I remember spending, like, I went to my dad's and ended up hanging out with my buddy Franklin. Franklin, if you're listening, I've been looking for you for years. It's this kid named Franklin who lived sort of around Athens, Georgia, and he was a friend of mine that I would go to see when I went to my dad's house. I remember we were playing and trying to, like, beat Mario, I think the first time. And it was like one of those funny things and like you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, I was really good at all the levels, but then the water level came on and it was like, 
oh, I hate this level. I'm terrible. So then Franklin would, would like <laughs> sub in, yeah. do the water level. But yeah, like, so, you know, they end up like putting out this game. They made uh, several commercials, you know, like you heard up top, you know, for the Christmas season. And they had real high hopes of knocking this thing out of the park. I mean, think about it. They're, they're you know, this is a game based off of this movie that even within like the very first week had beaten all the records for first week sales already. And so, you know, as the months like passed, they were probably thinking like, as they were developing this game, like, man, this is gonna be easy. This is gonna be, you know, it's gonna be knocked out of the park. Mm -hmm. And so they originally created 4 million this is, so this is my favorite part. Oh, God. We will return after these messages. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. They originally created uh, 4 million packages, 4 million cartridges mm -hmm. were, you know, set up to be distributed in the marketplace. And so I guess back then, it was a fairly common thing, which I don't remember this with a Nintendo, so maybe this was more of like an Atari thing, but I guess if you bought a game, which by the way, this game at the time, um, which this kind of blew me away actually, uh, this game was $33.95. Jeez, man. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, especially since nowadays you can get like a, well, you were talking about Nintendo Switch. I mean, those games range anywhere from like 15 to 50 bucks depends on the game no but i know but i'm talking about like compared yeah, no, to like back then yeah, yeah no, that's back, a lot i feel like nintendo games whenever they first came out were like 20 bucks i don't remember man and i haven't won yet <laughs> i always played my friends oh yeah so like i was saying it was a fairly common thing so that if you had a game and you didn't like it you could just Take it back to the store. Yeah, for sure they changed that rule because of probably because of this. Now give it the punchline because 100%. this is the reason why they changed this. They, they stopped allowing that. Yeah. So this game comes out right around that Christmas season, right? They say <laughs> <laughs> within three months, out of the four million games that they created, three point five million were returned oh, to stores. Man. Jeez, dude. That is insane to me. I mean, oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's in, incredible, really. The Part of the main reason that we, we wanted to cover this is, and, and we'll get into like probably a more extensive show on like the early years of like Atari and like Nintendo, kind of like what you're talking mm -hmm. about. But the reason I love this, this story so much 
whenever I first heard about it years ago, was this like urban legend that sort of surrounds this. And, you know, not only is it sort of known as like the worst game that's ever been created, it also, there was also this sort of urban legend that like tons of copies of this were put into the Alamogorda uh, landfill in New Mexico. Uh, I mean, and I, I guess like it's a little, it gets a little murky, you know, and it's it's very much like, you know, like most urban legends, especially like ones in the 80s. Like I remember hearing about this, like maybe as like, I don't think as like a kid kid, but like maybe as like a teenager, I remember hearing that like, oh, well, there's this, there's this landfill. landfill. Of yeah, that's just like, if you dig down like 10 feet, you can find you know, a million copies of this. Yeah, nothing but E.T. Uh, <laughs> cartridges. Well, and look, I have one of them. Yeah, that's saying. pretty amazing. I am looking at one on eBay now that has like, the cool thing about it, and this is the stuff that, that you and I are like really into. So if you guys are looking for uh, stocking stuffer ideas for us. Here we go. We're into this. All that sort of extra like ephemera that would come mm -hmm. with these games. So like, you know, you would first get a game in the early 80s, you pop it open, there's the game, obviously. But then you get, like, all this other stuff. There's, like, a little, I think that came with it, it was, like, a little, like, like an ad for, like, the Indiana Jones game. Mm -hmm. An ad for, like, some other thing, like the little book. It was, like, a little, like these pamphlets, man. It was, yeah. Like, just, that's the thing. It wasn't even just, like, although just a plain old piece of cardboard with an mm -hmm. ad on it is impressive. Like, these little catalogs, dude. Yeah. You know, like you would even get those. I remember in the 1989 Batman VHS, it came with this like catalog mm -hmm. for the Warner Brothers store, like Batman Ooh. gear. And like, oh, I kind of I was that. so obsessed with that catalog. I circled everything in it and, uh, you know, never got a, never did get that sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of my, one of the most, like the biggest ones that I can remember is I remember the original Final Fantasy, and I still have this all somewhere. It was like the first game that, you know, it was like the first sort of like big role player type game for, mm -hmm. I guess, for Nintendo, like, period. Well, I don't know, because there was one that Jesse told me about, and I forgot, and I've got it on one of those multi-card I mean, there were others, but but this was like like so vast, like mm -hmm. as far and as so the well scale. written that it became like main, more mainstream. Yeah, but, but I remember the thing that was so impressive is like it had like your like your game guide deal. Oh, and, yeah. And then it also had this like full-on like, you know, foldable like map that was like mm -hmm. pretty massive. Um, that stuff, dude. I still have it. Yeah, that, that's the stuff that's so cool. Like I am so envious of your uh, Goonies, like the Japanese one or whatever. Oh, Goonies 2? Yeah. Yes, dude. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so cool. Anyway, ultimately... Because of the the I failure, that thing's worth, man. I mean, I've got the box, I've got the original, I've got everything. Yeah, I know you have all like the little slips and like mm -hmm. little all that kind of stuff. It's so cool. Ultimately, this would lead to, I mean, basically, I think there was like a <laughs> which would, Dude, I mean, quickly follow. There was mm -hmm. a two year like full on recession in like video games. Period. It was yeah. almost like a lot like of people. End. Yeah, it was like the end. I mean, a lot of people look at this game as being like the linchpin for video games just dying. 
I just feel so sorry for this dude, man. I, know. I mean, you know, he's been carrying this on his shoulders for yeah, God, I know, even, forty years. Luckily, he everything ended well. He actually went on to uh, go back to school to be like a he's like a psychotherapist in you know Silicon Valley or something. Nice. So I mean, it's kind of cool because he was this game developer, and now he's like a therapist for like. Silicon Valley, like other. Oh yeah, designers. no, dude, that is actually now that you you know kind of remind me that way. That's actually really cool because mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody, you know, not to get down to the dumps here, but you know, there's a high, high frequency of, we'll just say, depression and mm-hmm. you know even suicide amongst like entrepreneurs and the Silicon Valley, like that high stress, high level. Yeah technology field because of the pressure man yeah so that's that what a god talk about an amazing way to kind of give back to yeah. your own sort of mm-hmm. peeps you know yeah i yeah, guess maybe I mean, we should be psychotherapists for indie bands that just <laughs> almost they just get right there we're and then, so close um anyway. but yeah i i think probably for years this guy really you know and apparently on this documentary you know he says he was he was approached afterwards that the you know and the i guess the the head like the ceo and everything of of atari was like hey we don't blame you it's not your fault it was you know uh like uh, such a rush and uh to, you know to push this game out to market and it could have been like better and we know that you had so many bigger ideas for this game and because it was like such a a crunch as far as time, you know, to put this thing out, you know, we things were compromised and and all that. But I mean, I think I think within like a year, he was canned from, or Atari, yeah. or basically Atari just folded, like, stopped. Yeah, yeah. There is just something like, man. I, I mean, I think that, and we're kind of seeing this now in different ways with our kids. But there's almost this like amazing sort of. Um, respect and sort of like almost this like nostalgic reverence for things like Atari mm-hmm. in a lot right. of ways. There's so much about like, you know, even just their branding and design that every now and then maybe every 10 years or so like kind of comes back and people are like, oh, yes, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, my Woodrow's got an Atari hat, for example. And I like that I kind of introduced him to the old games and then he had that sort of the same evolution just in a shorter amount of time right. that we did as kids, you know, and seeing all that. And so he has that appreciation. He has that love for those old games. And it's kind of like him, now that he's seen Stranger Things and he knows and understands yeah. the re- like where, just kind of like you were talking about with Marquee Moon, that song and the guitar riff and stuff, mm-hmm. like he's so now interested in like, Going back references and the the things that inspired the Duffer Brothers yeah, to awesome. come up with all this stuff, and and you know of course I've let him watch ET and stuff. My daughter's terrified of it, just mortified actually. You know, being able to like recognize those mm-hmm. in in more modern stuff, I just think is like super cool. Yeah, for sure. I I think Stranger Things, you know, and. If you want to hear more about Stranger Things, you can go back to... Hear previously unknown behind-the-scenes info about Stranger Things. On That Would Be Rad, Season 2, Episode 54, The Stranger Things Bible. It really does kind of 
because it sort of takes place in that era, that early 80s to late 80s, it really does like shine a light on things that for us was like, these things were so common. You know, this was stuff that we talked about every day. These were games that we played every day. And because we've come so far away from that era and with, you know, advancements like the internet and and social media and like, I think it's easy for kids to look at that as like, oh, that's just stupid. That's silly. That's that that's not even like one percent as cool as like the lamest game on like the app store. And yeah. I think Stranger Things and you know, there's other other movies and other like shows and stuff that that are like good at that. You know, I think like Freaks and Geeks was great at like sort of shining a light on what it was like to grow up in like the 90s and like the grunge era and stuff, like how we grew up in like middle school. And so I think stuff like that's really, really good because it does show kids that, you know, it's kind of like their way into being able to see like, oh, well, this is this is something that was really great because this inspired this and this and this, you know? Yeah, man, for sure. And plus like so many of those things are just fun. It's yeah. fun to like put in E.T. into the Atari and, and just see how, you know, what people mean by worst video game ever. And, and to be truthful, man, I've played a lot more that were worse. I mean, yeah, I don't really want to play this game uh, a ton, but um, mm-hmm. it is cool like hearing the the history of it all and, and just the idea that a movie so innovative like E.T. Yeah. then has a video game that just doesn't live up to that same level of excellence, you know? Well, I think I think one of the good things that did come out of this is, um, you know, it's sort of, it sort of earned its place in pop culture, especially as like to be used as like a cautionary tale for like creatives, especially in sort of the game world is like, hey man, we can't, we can't have like a rushed release date. We can't, we can't be pushed because, you know, we don't want to be like E.T. the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like become a thing that like people look at as like, you know, like a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's pretty good. I found out why people call them boards versus um, levels. Why? Well, let me just, I'm not saying, um, this is not a judgmental statement. I'm just reading word for word what it says on here. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. And it says, if your name is Tyler. Okay. And you grew up in what? No, I'm kidding. It says, uh, it's an archaic term used in first and second generation games to represent any type of changing stage that cannot be classified as a wave or round. It's used in more modern times to represent levels in board games, structured games, or puzzle games where all levels share a common basic geometry. Oh, yeah. we just, That's so what we were talking actually, about. Yeah, that actually makes sense. It's like Pac-Man basic geometry and and it does say that like it originated from early arcade yeah well that and early arcade games because they were designed in that same sort of like board you know like first board second board you know Mm -hmm. you're not really traveling a lot of places you know what i mean that's cool yeah yeah that was just such our show (laughs) we'll see you next week (laughs) no but like it is interesting because so because of this urban legend that it was pretty big. I, I remember hearing about it, especially pre-internet, but I, especially like in the early days of the internet, I remember it was like a, a thing, you know, it would pop up on like forums and stuff of like this particular landfill. And I didn't realize until doing the research now that it was even in New Mexico. But 
you know, it was like, oh, there's, you know, millions and millions of, <laughs> you know, copies of this E.T. game in this landfill. But what's interesting is like as we've sort of gone along up until, you know, from like the beginning of the Internet until like, I guess, 2014 when this documentary came out, there was a lot of, uh, which is very common now, but these like, you know, quote unquote, like fact checkers and basically just debunkers uh, or contrarians, really, who were like, oh, this was a myth. This has been proven. This has been da 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 And like, if you get into any of this stuff that we talk about, whether it's cryptids, whether it's whatever, there's always going to be so many people saying, oh, this has been debunked. This has been, and... So for years, I think it, I, you, you really had like two camps. You had people thinking like, well, no, I heard this is like a, a legit thing. And then other people were like, oh, no, it's just been debunked. Well, when this, this documentary comes out uh, in 2014, uh, like I said, it's called Atari Game Over. I guess they approached the Alamogorda land or the like city council. And I think... People had tried to do this before, but it had kind of been turned down for like environmental reasons, like something about something about throwing plastic on the ground. Well, no, but like it to decompose, like digging into that. It's not that good. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it was more like like digging under like into the topsoil of like a landfill could release gases and. Well, dude, now that you say that, real quick, do you remember this? Do you remember like in the eighties? People would be like, I mean, I'm not even talking about like calm about it. They'd be pissed if you like broke styrofoam in half. No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, like you would break it in half and people like, hey, man, what are you doing, dude? That releases <laughs> that releases stuff into the, I'm like, what? That is so You stupid. don't remember that? No, that, that okay. was an Indonesian thing. Probably so. Of course, they were, just sure. bur- they were like burning tires on the side of the road. So I'm not sure why they were caring about I mean, now that's probably not too good. Um, that was definitely not good. No, but so so efforts have been tried before this and until this movie and I don't know if if because it was like a um you know, it was like a known like film a film that was being made and all this stuff, but they basically gave them gave them the chance to like to do it. And so they were able to get like a full on team out there with like excavators and like all this. And it's such an amazing moment in the documentary and like I kind of hate to ruin it, but I'm going to because I know that most of you probably won't watch it. But if you're anything like us, you need to watch it because it's really, really cool. But they, you know, there's this like build up and it sort of centers around like different characters. It it centers like one of the main characters is Howard Scott Kurt, or Warshaw. So you he's there and then like other people that, ha- that had certain things to do with, uh, you know, they were tied to like Atari or their game developers or just fans. Uh, you know, there's this huge crowd and basically it's really cool because they, they're they like digging, digging, digging. And then there's a moment where this one guy, you know, they'd make, they would make an announcement like if they found anything. This one guy's like, oh, and also like it gets into how they found the location. So I guess there was this article that came out like, in the 80s and there was a photo in the article and it was just like a black and white photo of a particular section of the landfill and I think it was just this little blurb about you know Atari dumping a bunch of games in there and so Mm -hmm. 
To find that location, they basically had to go to the original guy that would have over, you know, would have like overseen the landfill, and he sort of, I think, helped them kind of find the location. And I mean, because you, if you think about it, this landfill is massive. And even on the the documentary, he says, "So this isn't really like finding a needle in a haystack. This is like finding a haystack in." a ton of other haystacks and then the needle inside of that. And so it's pretty amazing the fact that like they get in there. So as they're digging and it's like a full long day thing. And like, it was like God kicked up the drama because even while they're waiting, it's like there's this huge like windstorm, you know, while they're digging and stuff. So it's super dramatic and, and cool. But one of the guys like walked to, I guess like the porta potty and he comes back and like he ends up like kicking something. And so that was the thing, like they're digging, but then this huge wind is like just ripping through there. So it's like blowing stuff, anything that they dig out, right? And so this guy comes back and he says, I was walking and this blew in front of me and I ended up kicking it with my shoe. And it's the first thing they end up, you know, finding was the, the, the joystick from the Atari controller. Dang. And so it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is, you know, this is something. Like, this is, like, something's, like, actually here. Maybe we are in the right place. Well, they keep going, and they end up finding boxes and, like, these things. They were called, like, six-packs, where it's, like, a pack of, like, six games. And they're all sealed. You know, a lot of them are, like, fl- the boxes are flattened out and stuff. But there it is. They ended up finding them. So... The urban legend and all those debunkers, you were wrong. It is all true. Man. It's really, really cool. That's super cool, dude. Yeah, I love it. Another cool little bit of a little bit of extra knowledge is I kept thinking, like, how do I know that name? Like Al- Alamo Gorda. Um, it just sounded really familiar. Well, doing a little digging, you find out that Tonight's program has been brought to you by Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. White Sands, which is sort of a big element of the like UFO phenomenon, uh, specifically the White Sands Proving Ground, is what they called it back in the day, is where the first atomic bomb, which was called Trinity, was detonated. Mm. And so a lot of a lot of ufologists look at this as like okay, well this is the first uto- atomic bomb and this is uh sort of what maybe got the attention of, you know, ironically enough, extraterrestrials. Man. There's this famous like UFO footage where you see and again, there's of course there's like all these debunkers saying, "Oh, well, it's like a a phosphorus bomb or whatever." But like I remember seeing this like very, very early days of the internet. And it's this video of 
this, I mean, it looks like a UFO. It like bounces off the ground once and then it about hits again and it just like explodes. And for the longest time, like nobody really knew what it was and people still don't really know what it was, but they, they do know that they've, they've been able to associate it back with it happened at the White Sands military base or the White Sands proving grounds, which is pretty cool. That is really cool. Not to get too far off on the UFO thing, but there's a guy named Daniel Fry who was a, uh, like a contactee basically, who he worked at the, the White Sands Proving Ground and in 1949. Uh, he was like a military guy. He was big into like explosives and all this stuff. And his claim was that he called it an oblate spheroid. Hmm. Basically this huge disc landed in front of him when he was out on some like early, early morning patrol. And he ended up like speaking telepathically with this, this, the pilot of the ship, but the pilot wasn't in the ship. So the ship basically was just a drone. And there's something about that that just seems so abstract and like high strangeness for, especially for 1949. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? It's just weird. And so the pilot was called like, claimed that his name was Alon. And he was 900 miles above the earth in like the mothership. And so he's communicating through this, like basically like the drone, which is like this thing just sitting in front of him. So Elon Musk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I mean, it gets a little, a little crazier. His story is, uh, you know, he, he wrote this book called The White Sands Incident in 1954 and about two hours away from White Sands Proving Ground is, as we know, uh, the famous Roswell, New Mexico, where, you know, in Corona, New Mexico, that's where the the Roswell crash would happen. So, like, I don't know. I just thought that was cool that, like, within this area, there's just so many, you know, there's... Yeah, there's, like, UFOs, there's nuclear detonations, and yeah. also a landfill full yeah. of ET Atari cartridges. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. I mean, there's there's got to be some irony there. So, so right at the end, as we finish up, I I kind of just wanted to get casual a little bit into like Easter eggs and like weird like video game facts and stuff. And I made like a list of some that I remember, some that I looked up, and I was like, oh, I do kind of remember that. Do you have any like offhand that you can think of any like weird special boards? in games or anything like that. Do you remember any of that? Because I know there was a lot of it when we were kids. I mean, aside from like, and I think you and I have kind of talked about this a little bit before, like King Griffey Jr., the 1994 Super Nintendo game, um, King Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball, which (laughs) also, what a hilarious title. Yeah. But I, you know, to be honest with you, I want to do, I almost want to do a whole episode on that. I mean, I love it. But like, no, I don't, I mean, obviously everyone kind of remembers like the secret codes for Contra and oh yeah, y'all, some people had that friend that just like had the Game Genie or like you would end up renting the Game Genie from Blockbuster so you could like get more. And by the way, uh, just a little side note and reason to plug our favorite store in our hometown. Here we go. Wizards. That's actually, I think, where I got this ET cartridge. And a lot of times they'll have one there. I don't know if they do now, but mm. you can find old Nintendo games, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Atari. I mean, just any and all game console that has ever existed, you know. So anyway, yeah. shout out to them because that's generally where I get oh, yeah. any of our 
old sort of retro video games and stuff. And that's Wizards in Gainesville, Georgia. They are not a paid sponsor, but they treat us right. So uh, shout out to those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember like so many little things that... So I've made a list of like some that I I sort of looked into. And a lot of these are probably a decent amount sort of after we would have been in our like prime video game you know, playing years or whatever. But one of the ones that I remember so vividly, I remember playing with my buddy Robbie on his, like, you know, 486 or his, like, Pentium 2 maybe even, or original Pentium, I guess, uh, was the original Diablo game. Oh, yes, dude. There was this urban legend, and I remember him and I would talk about this all the time. There was this urban legend that if you went to this, like, a particular cow in some level and you you just kept clicking it, kept clicking it like a number of times. Like I feel like this may be too on the nose, but for some reason I feel like you had to like tap it like 666 times, <laughs> which I mean would make sense, you know, uh, being Di- Diablo. But there was this urban legend that you click on the cow, then suddenly you're like transported into this other sort of area or board, if you will, where there's these sort of like like cow monsters and they're all just like coming at you Weird. and the amazing thing is this never actually existed but blizzard the company that made diablo mm-hmm. created it in diablo 2 and starcraft where you literally do this exact same thing and it sends you to this world where there the, there's these like anamorphic cows that are all just like coming at you and you have to just fend them off. I feel like I, I feel like I do remember that now that you mention it. Well, it's weird because I, I played. Wasn't the there other- like something like this with Wolfenstein or something too? Oh, I that, don't know. Like you do something and then like it's just like all of a sudden it's a horde of zombies or something come after you and you just it's impossible to beat. Now, like I know Call of Duty has like their zombies thing where it's like that. Um, but I do feel like maybe. Maybe Wolfenstein or even like Duke Nukem maybe had a something. A, a, I don't know something or maybe Doom had something mm. like that. I don't know. It's so funny that like in finding this out because like I remember hearing that constantly. But then the game that I played the most, which was Diablo Two, out of all those, I never actually <laughs> knew that it was actually a, a thing that you could do in Diablo Two. I do remember this vividly. I remember that I had these kids all through school that like supposedly knew how to do it but there was some like code to make Laura Croft Tomb Raider take her clothes off I mean I remember I remember you know like God dude (laughs) it's like man like young boys are just so stupid it's amazing I remember hearing stuff like that or like you know you would know the exact like to the minute of a movie, like you would know the timestamp oh, yeah. of when you know, like the the scenes that we were t- kind of talking about <laughs> earlier, yeah. you know, like the perfect pause kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then like you know, leisure leisure to suit Larry. Oh yeah, that was a big one. And yeah. like that, like me and my buddies, like we thought like someone, I think it was like his older brother was told us, you know, like like my buddy Tom Brady, Tom Brady, was it his name? No, no, no. What was his last name? That's man? a football I think it player. Really was, yeah, no, but I think that really, I think that really was his name. Is he the Tom Brady? Am I best <laughs> friends with? No, um, 
Okay, well, I'll just, <laughs> I don't remember his last name, but anyway, I think it's Brady. Anyways, his older brother would be like, yeah, dude, if you kind of like beat the game, then like you, the next time you play, like all the girls naked. <laughs> and you're like, dude, well, we got to do that. I mean, who doesn't want to see animated video game yeah. nudity? So stupid. Yeah, so stupid. I also remember, I do remember in, I think it was Mortal Kombat 2, there was like, the rumor, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it was like it, on the Sega, you would do like, you would do like Dracula, so like down, right, A, C, up, left, A, like Dracula at like some sort of, you know, some, at, so, some particular like screen, like waiting screen or something. And then by the, t then it would like, you know, you go into like the match and uh, Sonya, has her top off, <laughs> which is so funny. Look out, Sonya. <laughs> but there's a couple more. I never played this game, Super Mario Galaxy 2. Mm -hmm. Did you ever play that one? Uh, I haven't, but that is that is one good thing about the Nintendo Switch is you can buy like yeah. a Mario game that has all of them. Yeah, and, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, because I think that's from GameCube, I believe. I think so too. And yeah. I never had one of those. I never My had brother did. But. Uh, well, there's this level that you can go to called the Shiverburn Galaxy, and it's really bizarre. Like, you know, because that was like sort of like, um, I guess sort of like Mario World where, you know, you're sort of like first person. You're able to look all around. It's no longer your, for our non-video game fans out there, it's like, it's not like you're scrolling, side-scrolling Mario. It's like you're able to look around and stuff. So basically you... You get at this one level and you're able to like look up and you look up on this cliff and there's these um, like these three sort of very like ominous like silhouettes and they have white eyes and they're just like staring down at you, Man. which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. One of my favorites is <laughs> so this, so in the on the uh, like the the arcade version of the original Street Fighter, one of the things that. And I, I remember this, and I remember my buddy Jesse and I, because we were, like, obsessed with Street Fighter back in the day. God knows how much money we spent on, especially Street Fighter 2. That was, like, yes, the next step. You know how you would you would beat your opponent? It would show, like, your face, you know, say, say you were Ryu, and then it would show, like, the face of your opponent, and his face would be all beat up. And then he would say, like, you'll never stand a chance to da 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 Well, there was one of his, like, little cut screens like that. It said... Something about you'll never complete your quest until you've beaten Shing Long. And it was like, what is he talking about? Who's Shing Long? And we never knew. I, I never, you know, we, we never really figured it out. But I do remember like talking about this. We'll come to find out that like it was like a mistranslation. And it was basically instead of saying like Shing Long, it was uh, saying you basically like you'll never succeed until you master like the. Hiruken or whatever, or like Shuruken, mm -hmm. like his move, you know, basically like Ryu's move. Hiruken. Yeah, whatever, whatever that thing is. Basically, it was that, but there, but it made it sound like there's like some other like character, like this master. And what's funny though about this is, I guess like uh, Electronic Games Monthly, like the game magazine that we used to get as kids. One year they put out like an April Fool's column, talking mm -hmm. about this character being. 
uh, this Shing Long character being Ken and Ryu's like like master, oh, which is amazing. And then what's even more amazing is then Capcom, the company who you know put out the Street Fighter games, you know then in their like later games, which I haven't played any of the newer ones, but now Shing Long is like an actual real character. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, how, isn't that amazing? I think yeah. that's so cool. There's another one which is right up our alley. I loved Grand Theft Auto. Did you ever get into those? Yeah. San Andreas, which I didn't, I don't remember playing that one a ton, but I think the one before San Andreas. Vice City? I think, I think I mean, that Vice was City. The, that was basically the, that was the one, one that I got into. Maybe. Yeah, me too. I mean, you could play the 80s music all the time. It was awesome. I, yeah, dude. I just it in your I mean, just so good. Yeah, incredible. Well, people had claimed that you could see Bigfoot, like, or they would claim that they would see Bigfoot, and then as you, like, drive closer or something, like, he would kind of go behind a tree or disappear. I think he appeared in, or the rumor appeared in Vice City. Well, when San Andreas came out, apparently if you did this certain thing and you went to this certain place at this, like, certain time, they actually programmed, here comes Bigfoot. And he like comes out into the open and no way. I'm sure you can run him over. Dude, the fact that that doesn't happen more often. I know. I mean, so what a cool. Goldmine. What a gold mine. Yeah, yeah. Now, one thing about the Grand Theft Auto games is I remember that was one of the Easter eggs. I think maybe in like the second one. I can't remember. One of the earlier ones is like, okay, you go to this like prostitute and then you're it shows you oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You it drive. like blurs it out or something, right? Well, well, I, no, I don't even think it shows it. I think it, you have to be in your car. You have to let her get in. You have to drive like around the building. Let's not tell these kids listening how to get it. Well, basically, it just shows the car like shaking. Yeah, which is if pretty. The car's not rocking. Don't come and don't come and knock it. Yeah, only a couple more. There's. I vaguely remember this. I think this was like later on, and to me, this feels more like like a creepy pasta kind of thing. But I think it's cool. Have you ever heard of Sonic.exe? So there was this idea that in, I think it was 2011, maybe, this game developer claimed that he was given like some, like a CD-ROM disc of like a, you know, a Sonic game, right? Like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Which maybe it would have been for, I guess if it was like CD-ROM, it would have been for, well, no, this would have been after Sega CD. Yes, Sega CD. This uh, This would have been, I don't know, what would that have been? Not PlayStation, but... Well, maybe, dude. I think Sonic went to Sony. Or no, or would it have been a GameCube? Sega? Uh No, Sonic stayed away from Nintendo. Or Um, not Nintendo, but what was the... Oh, no, no, the... um, Was it the Saturn? No. Uh, Yeah, Sega Saturn. That was the... That was like the... I think that was it. GameCube competitor, I believe. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think that maybe was it. But again, I feel... I don't know that this one's true per se but apparently the thing was when you beat the game it basically replays and then like you know the classic starting screen where you know you see all the stuff happening in the background and then the little icon comes up and it shows sonic and he's in that crest and he's like you know he blinks and stuff you see sonic and his eyes are black and they're bleeding and then like the whole game after you beat it once the whole game from then on is like you're no longer Sonic, but you're uh, who's the other one? Not Knuckles, but oh, your, God, your little oh Tails, Tails, yeah. Your Tails, and you're literally running away from this like zombie Sonic, and there's like fire everywhere. You can find like videos of this on the on YouTube and stuff. Dang, 
I think it's fake, but it's, I mean, it's still kind of cool, even if it is just like a little, like a fan video. Do you remember the game Twisted Metal? Yeah. It had I remember like the that clown. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. There's like these like super violent, but they're like, you're in these cars, and there was one with like this giant clown, sort of like circus car. This is weird, and I had never heard of this until today, but there's one called Twisted Metal Head On, and this was like, I guess the sequel for like whatever the next console was from the original one. And there, cause I, I think people were upset that there was, there was never a, a Twisted Metal sequel. And so in this Twisted Metal head on, you could go to like another game mode called Twisted Metal Lost. And it basically, everything looks way darker. And it talks about how uh, six developers that were developing the sequel to Twisted Metal, because it was huge. Like, I remember every comic book, I think it was every Marvel comic around that time, like, had a Twisted Metal ad. And apparently it tells this long story before it even starts about, like, you know, six of the game developers died in a plane crash, which is apparently, I think, like, true, which is <laughs> kind of dark. Thank but apparently you. the story goes is, like, they had almost completed this entire sequel. Then five and they just years, happened to name it Twisted Metal after the plane crash? Well, the, I mean, it was already called Twisted Metal. Man. Ironically. Man. I know. But, it's, but this game, like, this sort of, like, mode is called Twisted Metal Lost, which means, like, the sequel, which was technically lost because they died. Apparently the story goes, the game, like, headquarters, like, whoever made that game ended up getting an anonymous letter in the mail that was signed from all the people that died in the crash, basically saying, hey, this is where to find all those files. We want you to create this. We want you to release this game. And so they released it as like a specific mode in this other game. They're like, uh, hey, we're alive and well. Please make the <laughs> check out to Woody Brown. That's W O. <laughs> But I, I thought that was pretty amazing. Like, I'd never heard of that. Yeah, that's wild, man. Uh, yeah, so if you guys out there have any Easter eggs or, uh, you know, cool little things. Like I said, I remember so many of these, like so many kids in growing up in school would be like, oh, man, have you done this? Have you done this? You press like this little, you know, kind of like the Contra code. You, you mm -hmm. do this, 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 and it takes you to like another board. It, it was just, it was rampant in the 80s and 90s, I remember. Um, so if you have any that are your favorites that maybe we have forgotten about, we'd love for you to write in. It's been a really interesting trip down memory lane getting into this. And again, I urge you guys, I know I've said it several times, but uh, go on YouTube and you can watch that documentary, Atari Game Over. It's really cool and it gives you sort of a visual like insight into what we've been talking about today. You know, the early years of Atari and and everything with like the ET game and stuff. We would love to hear from you. We are over on Instagram. Feel free to jump in the comments. Tell us how you heard about the show. Tell us what you like about the show. Don't tell us what you don't like about the show. If you want to talk to us about maybe a story that you have, maybe maybe your favorite video game Easter egg, feel free to shoot us a DM over there. Or if it's more long form, go over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Feel free to write us an essay, whatever. Or you can email us a voice memo from your phone. But even better than all those is our official website. That would be radpodcast.com, where you can leave your voice memo directly to the site, and it goes directly to us to hear it. Uh, we'd love to hear about your local urban legends. Maybe you have a cryptid that the rest of the world's never heard about. 
We would definitely love to hear about that. And we'll feature it in the show or, you know, play your your voice recording and, uh, you know, with some cool sound design and stuff. That would be awesome. Go to our link tree on Instagram, buy us a coffee. What we really love is our new Patreon, The Rabbit Trail. Last week, you guys got to have a behind the scenes uh, for all you main feed listeners. You guys got to kind of hear what we do over there. It's a little more loose, a little more relaxed. You know, the lights are turned down a little, but we're having a ton of fun over there. And we've got a lot of huge things uh, in the works. So if you're not getting your fill over here on the main feed, head on over to our Patreon and uh, become one of our best friends. Uh, can you think of anything else, Woody? Well, I was just going to say uh, a couple things. Mm. One, you know, I was thinking about this a lot the, over the past week. I, I've been getting into this dadgum true crime kick again. And I, dude, I just I wanted have to. Dude, I actually. Oh, dude, I watched one yesterday and it just, it's prompted me to say this. We talk about a lot of fun stuff on our show, we talk a lot about a, some really sort of out there concepts. We talk a lot about UFOs and cryptids and, mm -hmm. you know, ideas and conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to say this, that, you know, sometimes there are folks in the world that take some of this stuff so seriously that they think, uh, they look at it in a, a negative light and as a means to sort of, I guess, influence or encourage them to hurt themselves or hurt someone else. Oh, I know what you're talking and about. And so what I'm saying is... Slender Man. No, 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 no. I say all that to say that's not the reason why we're talking about these things. We're talking about them and, and just really kind of focus on the name of our podcast. We're talking about them because they're rad things mm -hmm. for to, to think about and to talk about. I, I don't think it ever really matters whether or not we believe one thing is real or not and all that. Kind I of believe stuff. it that, all. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the purpose of our show, but True. I just wanted to say that. I'm sorry, I took it kind of got you a little took serious it way there. Dark. But I just felt not even dark, just like I want to make sure that people understand that like we want to serve as an inspiration for people to just learn about a lot of different things and to mm -hmm. dig back into their nostalgia, the case of video games and movies and and just kind of like be rad with one another. And that's why every single week and almost every single post on Instagram and stuff, we always end it with be rad because that is what we really truly out of all the stuff we talk about mm -hmm. believe in so yeah it's it's fun it's light yeah anyway this past season of our show has been so much fun man yeah you know yeah. i think we've grown as a um, as a podcast and our audience has grown and our our best friends over at the patreon you know every single person's mm -hmm. listening to the if you are listening to this right now you mean the world to us i mean seriously yeah we used to say it all the time probably ad nauseum but we still talk about it to this day like we're fascinated by all the people in so many different countries mm -hmm. um that listen to us all around the world talk about these things and so we really, really thank you. And as we get into this holiday season, just as a reminder, hopefully you're able to spend time with the people that you love or care about. And um, yeah. I love it. I guess that about does it. So we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it
clouds in a time where I just needed some sunshine You were already dead before you became a ghost You always said our future would be a parade of flowers But now all that's left is a single rose That's the way You know what this kind of reminds me of real quick, though? Hmm. The fact that, okay, so you got this, uh, the movie comes out in July. Mm -hmm. By the time, I'm thinking about it, it wasn't like, oh, the the first week into that, they're already meeting in an office with some video game developers. It was probably like a couple weeks, you know? Yeah, right. So now you're end of July. So you've got August, September, October, November, basically to Mm -hmm. create this game, program it, develop it, market it. Mm-hmm. All that stuff before Christmas, and it, it reminds me of when the Star Wars came out, and then they went nuts. Same thing. It was like I don't, I believe it was like June or July mm-hmm. of like '78 or whatever, and the Star Wars toy debacle. There, there was so much demand for these Star Wars toys that they right. didn't even make any. So kids on Christmas morning oh, yeah. opened up <laughs> basically a cardboard <laughs> cutout. Yeah. Of like the toys are on their way, mm-hmm. and you know, can you imagine being like, "Oh, thanks, guys." I mean, yeah. hilarious, dude. Yeah, I, I think it was like another six months before they <laughs> they would be released, which is yeah, that's that's bonkers. Isms, good pal. I would be better if you had a better attitude. Well, that was you rude. Got to show up on time. I did show up. You. Nope. He said, okay. give me five, and then 15 minutes later, knock, knock, knock goes the door. Hey, pal, I'm really busy for the first part, and I'm not going to be able what, to what do for it the until fir- No, no, no actually, dude, I, I, I had to watch this uh, at 10. We watched Woodrow, Woodrow Qualified, dude, out of the whole school for his grade to go up against fifth graders, man, for a spelling mm-hmm. bee. Oh, and man. And I got to watch... Here we go. There's there's a portrait of professionalism. Let's just, speaking of professional, let's get this on. Yeah. Hello? Straight spam call. You lost a sale. 